0: eighteen. Bitcoin is not a tech stock. All those altcoins are decentralized in name only or dino. So they're centralized protocols run on Amazon Web Services that pretend to be decentralized. And Bitcoin is nothing like that. Bitcoin is a decentralized peer-to-peer network of money.
1: What is that?
0: Bitcoin is just money. Money reimagined or money 2.0.
1: What's your pitch?
0: Well, I would just uh, explain first that there's a big difference between uh, Bitcoin and crypto. I think a large part of this recent implosion has been a disservice done by people in this industry that conflict the two on a regular basis. So I think Brian Armstrong of Coinbase is one of those really guilty parties that always conflates uh, crypto and Bitcoin, but crypto and Bitcoin are totally different, right? But
2: Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, right?
0: uh, Bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency. The crypto market is basically unlicensed securities. So you have 20,000 of these things and more and more being printed every day. So when you lump Bitcoin in the same bag as crypto, you're confusing, either deliberately or because of malice um, or incompetence, the the masses. And that's what harms people because they don't understand that Bitcoin is not like those other things.
3: And then something shifted about a year ago. Um, A totally different tone started to happen. And we kind of got this information from the SEC that, well, actually, we think
2: everything other than Bitcoin is a security. Everything other than Bitcoin is a security.
1: What Brian Armstrong somehow did to his own fault and that's why I'm calling him out, is he tried to replicate the equities market. He found his business advantage as I'm a first mover. I was here first, I have the most licenses. And sure, Jack, you can sell Bitcoin, but I sell algrand coin and pink coin and left sock coin and barbecue chicken coin. And so you can never compete with me because I've built this regulatory moat and this first mover advantage. And what he's done is he's built a proxy long positions on altcoins, which make no sense, right? And he's replicated the equities market. And he doesn't understand everything that I'm saying. And what when when, when I'm doing, Obviously, I'm building a great experience. Obviously, I think the best financial experience, you should be able to acquire Bitcoin in many ways for as cheap as possible. But more so what I'm doing by expediting this race to the bottom to zero. Maybe Brian Armstrong thought he had three to five years to figure this out. Well, guess what, dude? You got three to five weeks and you're fucked. And I, I'm, it's like the big short. I'm calling you out. So now I'm building a leverage long position on Bitcoin being the true innovation in cryptocurrency, that digital scarcity, scarcity does have value. And that altcoins are implied unintended inflation to the asset class. And that if you have 1 million monetary networks that aren't interoperable with each other, all you've done is recreate an inefficient monetary network system that we already have today, and it doesn't develop any innovation. I'm making a bet that Bitcoin and Lightning are the innovation, and they are going to last. Altcoins are going to die. And that my business model of using an efficient, better monetary network and using buying Bitcoin for free as an acquisition is going to margin call you. And I'm pawned at E4, your move, because I think you fucked up. I think you recreated an equities brokerage and you didn't learn anything from the past and you didn't take the time to understand Bitcoin. And the same brand that Mark Zuckerberg has that's so tarnished, now you have. Bitcoin core developers hate you, Bitcoiners hate you. You have to act against the best interest of those that very built this industry by listing shit coins and going against everything that we always say and. All the forks that were going to break this industry, you have to support because the fundamental flaw in which you built your business on and you fucked up and it's been long enough and I'm sick of it. And I finally got old enough and in my mid to late twenties to build my own company and call your bluff.
2: Well, that is a huge part of the problem because the social spaces are flooded by people and bots with incentives to you know, scam, to get you to buy their shit and be misinformed. And that's what the company has done. We talked about these EARN programs and how the exchanges themselves, they advertise to people, come to our platform, this is how you get Bitcoin, this is how you do it. You've heard about it? They opportunize on Bitcoin's good fucking will. You've heard about Bitcoin? Come to Coinbase, buy some Bitcoin, take the EARN program, we'll give you 15 bucks for free in our shit coin because we get money from the illegal security bitches. SEC don't give a fuck. Well, guess what? SEC gives a fuck, Brian Armstrong. Knock, knock, who's there? Gary Gensler. He says, get the fuck down to the courthouse and pay what you owe, bitch.
3: Oh, wow, look at this audience fan (laughs) out. I think we might have, like, PM'd everyone in the server. I'm not sure. Who? No.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't let people do that. It should only hit approved users if it was motorboat.
3: I might have done it because there was an option saying oh, do you want to you... pm everyone no nope, no nope, don't
2: do that you you can do that oh, you have shit. the power to fucking pull the nuke everybody button i'm so sorry bad everybody <laughs> it's a bad pitch you don't hit the everyone button you you apologize to the people
3: i apologize profusely it was like it was already clicked on for me so it's like an automatic thing and, and i I like read it as I was clicking it, so I didn't, yeah. uh, i sorry. You read
2: it? What kind of lesson are you setting for the Bitcoiners out there? You're clicking <laughs> things without even reading them? Some verification you're doing.
3: Yeah, it's pretty bad.
2: Oh boy. Well, I apologize for the substandard management that uh, <laughs> has taken place here. I take full responsibility for the inept staff.
3: This is what you get for volunteers. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Well, what do we want to talk about today?
3: Well, you were uh, pretty interested in what was it? Prime. I'm Trust? interested
2: in in Prime Trust and their relationships to companies like Swan and Strike, which have, until recently it seems, or even maybe right now, been using them as custody.
3: Yeah, and like
2: and. Uh... The reason that I have a problem with companies using Prime Trust for custody is that they hold billions of dollars, as I understand it, in shitcoin liabilities, and as we all know, you know, these these shitcoins can be inherently insecure, well, they are inherently insecure by structure, by design, they're centrally controlled, they can be rug pulled at will oftentimes, Uh, they're just straight up dangerous to be sharing legal liability with in any way, shape, or form, and... So, you know, you, and Bitcoin gets rid of custodians, it gets rid of middlemen. Why would you want to be inserting people like Prime Trust into your security model? And frankly, Strike and Swanner venerated, celebrated Bitcoin companies. Um, you know, they should be setting a standard. They are trying to act as standard bearers. They should certainly be setting the best example possible. And the best example wasn't using companies like prime trust as custodians so it seems like they've both made changes they've gone in different directions on their changes and in my opinion there's still quite a bit of work to do um what's your take on the overall situation here fitch
3: yeah it's pretty accurate like it's very convenient that they've just recently gotten their act together and and only like recently, like not right after FTX, which which they should have been even before FTX blowing up, they should have been talking about how do we be our own custodians? How do we distribute custodianship to maybe qualified custodians in a multi-sig arrangement between Unchained Capital and and um, I don't know fucking Jamison Lop or or something better than fucking using Jump whatever Jump. Cap I'll tell you what's point. better. I'll yeah, tell you what's COVID. better.
2: Don't, don't hold the coins. Don't hold the keys. Be non-custodial. Like, use Bitcoin to its advantage. Take out the middlemen. Be a service provider. Quit trying to be a custodian. It's cheaper. It's easier to run. You have less maintenance and, and legal burden. You don't have to hold other people's money. You just get to provide a Bitcoin service. Please, companies of America, Swan, River, if you want to be standard bearers, if you want a solution that's actually a solution instead of just changing to a different custodian, prop custodianship altogether. Please, I beg of you, play to the strengths of the network.
3: Yeah, that would be ideal, but they're not going to do that because, one, the, the incentives are pretty against that. Um well, maybe not for regulation, because the regulation is shitty. When you're being a custodian, um, or outsour- or outsourcing that custodian ship, and being like this I'll tell front, you the specific incentives
2: that are against that and make it so unlikely in America is the venture capital relationship. Because of venture capital funding, all of these exchanges, yeah, they expect huge valuations and returns that that you simply can't make as a simple service provider. You have to be holding you know, billions of dollars and leveraging that into investments and all these other kinds of things and backed products. And you gotta be huge, you gotta be monolithic. You can't be a simple simple mom and pop shop providing a service, and they don't wanna be that. That's why it's happening.
3: And there's cross investment, like these same VCs are invested in Jump Capital. So they're like, they're shaking each other's hands with the same investments saying, hey, these are friends of the, of the VC team, we can, we can all partner together and like be one big happy family until it blows up in all of our faces. And that seems to be um, a month. It's a pattern, isn't it? You see that
2: happening over and over again, exactly as you just described it's, and it's a pattern created by the way the system works and in the way it funds companies. If we would stop going to these insane valuations for tech companies for crypto companies, if if everyone didn't have to have a blockchain and all these buzzwords and be transforming the world, like, I think that we would see a lot better output from the entrepreneurial community, because they want to do things, they, they want to innovate, they want to fund innovative projects, but they don't understand the space or the technology or what makes it unique well enough to allocate capital in an effective manner.
3: I don't think they even care, like, VC is, is just about printing the fiat money machine like it's really it is, but its but they
2: care about making money in its <laughs> own twisted way it has its own warped efficiency around one specific goal and if it was better informed it could do a better job of it but as is these scams are too profitable So, I mean, there's an incentive mismanagement there. We need to make scamming less profitable, which the SEC, thank God, suing Coinbase, suing everybody, I hope, please, every shitcoin provider, every illegal securities provider, which is, you know what, how I know something is an illegal security? It has an unregistered ICO. If your favorite coin has an unregistered ICO, you can just straight off the top say, oh, that's an illegal security. I hope they all get sued. I hope that everybody providing services for these is, if they refuse to delist them and stop providing services for them or stop issuing them, then they, I hope they get sued. I, I hope that they're allowed to. And to date, they all have been. I mean, like, it's been 10 years of voluntary compliance in this exchange market. And you hear it every time like people like Gary Gensler go on TV, and they're talking about, you know, oh, you know, we had talks with Coinbase, we have talks with Binance, we were talking with everybody and we're doing it on a daily basis. You hear from Brian Armstrong when he's being interviewed by people like Peter McCormick. He's like, you know, I'm in there on a monthly basis talking with people. They understand what the compliance expectations were, and it was voluntary, and they didn't think that the guillotine would ever come crashing down before they removed their head, so they didn't remove their head, and now the guillotine's coming crashing down, and well,
3: I hope to God their head gets I wouldn't say off. that. I, I think a lot of these guys are smarter than you think, and they're just saying, okay, they're doing the math, and they're like, okay, maybe I can scam $8 billion and give $4 billion back in, in lawsuits. And they're just doing the math. It's the cost of doing business.
2: I'm sure you're right. I'm sure that everybody that is scamming here is going to make money. And, well, they've already made money. All I care about is that the grift, at least this form of it, stops. And they're forced to, like, shift to a new grift. Well,
3: yeah, it'll shift and it'll evolve. But, like... You're never going to get
2: rid of grifters, but yeah. it's an arms race, right? And so, like, they've got this huge platform and weaponry to yeah. to legally grift right now without, well, not it's illegal grifting; it's just unenforced. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why there's this illusion that it's legal. It's not complicated to apply the Howey test. It's it's obviously in violation of it. So. Now, what's the problem here? It's just denial on part of these shitcoiners and the companies themselves. Everybody's got a bias for the companies that they use. And frankly, a lot of people use these companies. And they were ingrained with misinformation from these companies, in the form of things like the EARN programs, into buying these shitcoins and scams that the companies themselves were making ICO dollars off of. And that's why they should be liable. That's why they should be sued. This is a great thing. And if it cleans up the ecosystem, even a smidgen, you're never going to get everything. I appreciate that. But just a smidgen, that's a good day to me. I don't agree with Gary Ginsler on much, but I'm glad he's going after these companies.
3: Yeah, it's kind of ironic, too, because like, I was thinking, are, are Coinbase and Binance, which is going to happen first? Are they going to like lose their lawsuits first, or are they going to support the Lightning Network first? Because like they they haven't done either like neither of them have supported the Lightning Network, but all the other companies that do are seem to be in the clear. So there's an ironic, there's a correlation. It seems it's like ah oh, maybe if oh you're... they don't
2: want to adopt anything that changes oh, no. in Bitcoin. Every Bitcoin upgrade, Not like do you remember how long it took them to adopt Segwit?
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: They they hate engineering debt. I'm sure they'd call it they hate the idea of having to constantly invest in this and be optimizing it it's basically the impetus for the block size wars right they wanted to scale by simply forcing all the burden of optimization onto the hardware of node runners and by doing that they would never have to update uh the way that they process transactions they'd never have to adopt new bips or technologies they could just keep with bigger and bigger blocks keep shoving more and more horribly unoptimized transactions out there their hearts content at basically no additional expense to themselves because by increasing the block space, you've re- you've increased the supply of block space and thus increased demand can simply flow into it at no additional optimization. otherwise like what what the small blockers want to do, they wanted to optimize the way that we handle data first before say putting it into this irrevocable public ledger that goes forever. Maybe we should optimize it as much as we possibly fucking can. Maybe this thing that everybody has to verify individually and store from the genesis, maybe we should optimize it a little bit before you know just blindly throwing infinite amounts of data into it. Because blockchains don't scale, even bitcoins. It's a fundamental fact. Anything that appends forever doesn't scale. It can't. So these are just fundamental things that the business community grapples with. Because their incentives aren't the same as the Bitcoin network's incentives, nor are they the same as the Bitcoin user's incentives. They don't want to be non-custodial because it makes them more money to be custodial. That's the long and short of it. It doesn't matter that it costs them less to do business. They give up a bigger opportunity cost in potential business by not being custodial. And that's because they don't want to be Bitcoin companies, you guys. These aren't Bitcoin companies. These are companies that want to make as much money as possible and be as big as possible. They don't really care about minimizing or reducing trust. In fact, trust is profitable. They want to maximize it.
3: Yeah, and they'll feed you a bunch of misinformation to, do, to believe that and like lock you into these terms of service that say you can't talk about their custodians <laughs> unless like it's it, so swan back to the
2: root <laughs> subject right let's talk about how swan and strike have changed their custody solutions
3: right so strike um was with I prime trust prime trust and prime trust was
0: also and they kept swan. getting
2: yeah both of them were using prime trust and i know strike at least they were, they were involved in some kind of lawsuits in various states and one by one Various states, I guess, were forcing them to stop using Prime Trust as a custodian for customers in that state. Because their, you know, custody description page would just kept it pending states with exceptions to the Prime Trust description. But now they've changed entirely, right? They're now not with Prime Trust at all. Now they are saying they're self-custodying everything. As in, like, they, as a corporate entity, own all of the keys to all the Bitcoins.
3: Yeah, and Strike came out with a recent Twitter thing. What did they say? It was
2: like a Medium post is what I was reading.
3: Yeah, Jack Muller says, I just published Strike Infrastructure Update. We now serve customers on our own infrastructure, and we are proud to offer our own safe and reliable infrastructure to custody our customers' Bitcoin and U.S. dollars. And... We had Francis from Bull Bitcoin quote tweet that saying, Very good for Bitcoin for strike and for strike users, because Francis has been doing this for years with his own infrastructure in Canada. And it Well should Francis be not
2: only does. has been doing this with his own infrastructure, when we talk about infrastructure in Francis's case, we're talking about like node-based infrastructure, we're talking about coin going infrastructure, we're talking about lightning infrastructure, we're not talking about custodial infrastructure. Francis only custodies a shit coin called LCAD, liquid CAD. He He doesn't custody Bitcoin at all. so he doesn't have the same problems that Swan or Jack Muller's at Strike have because he's doing exactly what I'm saying to to a degree in his own way. and I applaud him for it. in fact, I applaud Strike for this too. This is a movement in a positive direction. I'm glad that they're getting rid of prime trust. Thank goodness.
3: I would argue though that. Francis does have custodianship of Bitcoin that is his. That is bull bitcoins. Like that is, but that's the risk of him and his business.
2: He is yes, it is. You absolutely right. But he is maximizing his usage of Bitcoin and minimizing trust through it. I don't have to trust Francis with anything except for a single transaction for like the hour that it takes to process for him. That's it. And it's fantastic and I'll, I'll admit i do use bull bitcoin in fact i try to use every exchange in canada available to me as a canadian so that i can evaluate it at least once but i, I definitely do enjoy using bull bitcoin along with um i'm checking out bitcoin well a lot more recently um beaver bitcoin has my attention as well in canada here but uh, they're all non-custodial options Those are something completely foreign to Americans. They don't have any non-custodial options because of what I perceive as these incentives, these VC incentives. Like, you'd think that somebody would try it. I don't know what's stopping them. Like, some small business, some mom and pop, with like, I don't know, a couple million bucks, small business money. Open up a non-custodial Bitcoin exchange in America, please, somebody, so that I can recommend people to you. I would love that. Thank you.
3: Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but Bitcoin will plans to expand to America, so maybe that will be an option eventually. Um, That'd be nice. I don't know what their status is on that. I haven't heard much, but they'll be speaking at uh, the Canadian Bitcoin Conference next week, so maybe we'll hear some news.
2: I'm interested in seeing what comes out of this Canadian Bitcoin Conference. Um, I'm naturally skeptical of most conferences these days. They seem very... um, We'll call them industry affairs. Yeah, very corporate. Well, very—they're selling me something. Um, very sponsorship-driven, and I don't want to say sold out, but I'm gonna sold out. Like, not really about Bitcoin at all. In fact, often about shitcoins. As a matter of fact, it's very rare I find to find one that's just about Bitcoin. And even you see good conferences that I've been to. Like, I enjoyed Unconfiscatable. A couple of times, uh, which Tony Vaze posted, and he, like he had shitcoiners there, like Bobby Lee, Hawk, and shit, and um, <laughs> oh, who 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 else was it? Um, the guy behind uh, Bitcoin Proof of Keys Day, Trace Mayer's or something?
3: Yeah, Trace Mayer.
2: Yeah, him too.
3: Yeah, he burnt. I think him, he burnt out at that coins. conference because he was trying to show uh, some privacy shit coin, and people called him out. So,
2: well, yeah, geez. and and then there's the organizer himself, Tone. He's shilling TA classes, like it's it's a rough affair. So, even even a Bitcoin only conference, there's a lot to be desired. I think I guess in my ideal world, a, a A Bitcoin-only conference is a largely self-funded giant Bitcoin meetup with workshops and ad hoc and planned presentations that relate to Bitcoin, not (laughs) fucking fiat. (laughs) I don't want to hear about fiat for three hours, please. I don't want to hear about the law for three hours after that. Can we not do that? I don't give a shit about the law. I give a shit about Bitcoin.
3: Yeah, that's my strategies. I'm probably going to skip the majority of these talks because they're just really damaging your brain cells. So I'll, I'll just probably be there for the people and talk yeah. in the hallways with whoever's there that I find interesting.
2: Well, we've suggested that maybe we should meet and just get very drunk across the street together.
3: Yeah, that's a good idea, too.
2: I think that'd be a lot of fun. I'm open to that.
3: I got a free ticket this time, so apparently I'm going, so I kind of have to go now.
2: (laughs) People stopped giving me free tickets to things when I stopped being a Bitcoin, our Bitcoin moderator. Now that I'm just a a grumpy grouch, they don't give me free tickets to things anymore. (laughs) Not that I particularly, like I said, um these conferences just they're not for me i don't know who they're for i maybe they're for business-minded people like business to business services and stuff i don't know not for me
3: yeah it's it's very much like industry and kind of on around the edges of bitcoin and like business people and entrepreneurs kind of pitching their ideas around it it's Um, it's the churn of money
2: at the intersection of fiat and bitcoin yeah is what it is Anyways, um, back to strike and their custody solution. Uh, I think that I want I want to again applaud them for how good they a the job they did moving away from Prime trust. That's really good. Really glad that they're at least walking the walk to stealth custody. That's good. Um, now Swan Bitcoin we we've got to talk about swan bitcoin's kind of similar parallel journey they've gone from prime trust as their custodian to well i don't know prime trust 2.0 is what i'm going to call it and i'm allowed to say that because i'm not a swan bitcoin user and i haven't signed their terms of service which explicitly disallows me from saying the words fortress trust in public because Fortress Trust is the new custodian they've moved away to from Prime Trust. Now why would they bar me from saying Fortress Trust if I was a Swan Bitcoin user? I don't know. But I do know that Fortress Trust is owned by the same guy who made Prime Trust. I know that. It's on his LinkedIn. I checked. Somebody told me that and I was like, really? And then I looked and I was like, yeah, Hmm. Interesting. So Swan Bitcoin has moved from one very bad custodian to basically the same guys next custodial venture.
3: Well, it tells and... you who, it tells you who owns them in terms of VC money. It's like the same conglomerate.
2: Yeah, it just goes back to the original point, right? This is kind of where I see is one of the roots of the problem. Um, of this multifaceted problematic Bitcoin business community in America, um, so yeah, they've they've moved to I don't Prime Trust 2.0 is what I'm going to be calling I guess Fortress Trust. They they moved on to the next iteration of the same damn thing. Uh, instead of self-custody or instead of removing custody and being non-custodial, which Bitcoin enables and empowers everybody and reduces the risk of, you know, somebody holding your Bitcoin counterparty risk. And
3: now they're policing their customers' language around the use <laughs> yeah, of, their, of their service. It's just ridiculous. Like, you can't do that. It's absurd. So, um,
2: Strike, Swan... I want to be with you guys, I want I want to be able to send people your way and recommend you. In fact, I, I, I used to, but it's just the more I learned about your company, I realized that I really shouldn't be, and I didn't want to be, and now I point people to decentralized and non-custodial solutions, and solutions that better fit their use case than trusting say, shitcoin custodians with their money so don't don't do that and you will generate positive good word of mouth just like you, you see how even while asking strike for more i'm i'm, I'm like yes yay strike good i i want to be like oh yay swan fantastic instead i'm like bad swan bad 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 swan go back go back to your lake <laughs> think about what you've done and do better please thank you that's all that's all i have to say about Custody <laughs> of Strike and Swan.
3: What about um, What about Binance? What do you think their play is here? Because like it sounds like
2: if... I honestly have expended zero thought on it, and my first inclination when you uttered the words was get fucked. I hope they get fucked. I
0: hope that's their
3: <laughs> play. Well, like C Z seems to be hiding in non-extradition co- countries, because I wouldn't be surprised if like the justice department wants his head and they need him to be in a jurisdiction where he can be exported extradited and i don't even care about
2: that i I think that's just like i want i want regulators in america to protect americans from fraudulent people and ventures that's what i want i don't want I want them to execute their mandate within the fiat realm. And these are clearly within the fiat realm within the uh, securities realm. These are clearly within the securities realm. These are companies issuing ICOs. They aren't decentralized in any way, shape, or form. They they don't have, you know, a publicly generated issuance like Bitcoin does. I don't know if it's that people don't understand this. I, I have people that accuse me and the, or accuse Bitcoin and they say to me, Bitcoin had a pre mine. Bitcoin had a pre-mine, so it's perfectly okay for everything. Bitcoin, what the fuck are you talking about? Bitcoin had a pre-mine. They're like, well, Satoshi had a pre-mine. Satoshi got to do it for free. And I'm like, fuck that. He He gave months advance notice for the code and the uh, white paper. He released the client. He released the Genesis block. And then no block was mined. Do you know why? Because the code stipulated that another client had to come onto the network and start fucking mining before it could even start. That is fucking as fair as public issuance as you can possibly even fucking imagine based on just the amount of downloading the software and using some electricity to mine a block. It's, it's, you, All of these ICOs are illegal securities. If you have them, sell them. Get out now. Buy Bitcoin and learn how to secure your keys immediately. Think about things like air gaps. If you don't want to do the work, Buy things like cold card and realize you're still gonna have to do a little bit of work. Nothing's free. There is nothing easy. The lie that Ledger sells, the lie that Trezor sells, the lie that virtually every hardware wallet and wallet manufacturer sells, is that there's an easy solution where you don't have to know anything or verify anything. And it's not true. You have to do things like provide your own entropy. You need to do things like verify the entropy that other people provide. You need to provide for yourself a level of verification that's appropriate for the amount of money that you're risking in the wallet. I know it sucks, but I swear to you, it is no more difficult than learning how to drive a car. It seems impossibly complicated if you've never seen anybody do it, and it's completely foreign to you. But I swear to God, it is. it just takes a, a couple dozen hours and some, some practice, and you can be... a practically an expert in terms of at least self-security and trusting no one you can honest to god do it
3: yeah it's interesting because like there's so many people getting burned by these situations For like the recent one with ftx it's like where do they go afterwards for accurate and relevant information to secure themselves and often they're just not they're not getting the message or the information um Well, that is a huge part of the problem, because the
2: social spaces are flooded by people and bots with incentives to, you know, scam, to get you to buy their shit and be misinformed. And that's what the company has done. We talked about these earn programs and how the exchanges themselves, they advertise to people, come to our platform. This is how you get Bitcoin. This is how you do it. You've heard about it. They opportunize on Bitcoin's good fucking will. You've heard about Bitcoin. Come to Coinbase, buy some Bitcoin. Take the earn program. We'll give you 15 bucks for free in our shit coin because we get money from the illegal security bitches. SEC don't give a fuck. Well, guess what? SEC gives a fuck, Brian Armstrong. Knock, knock. Who's there? Gary Gensler. He says, get the fuck down to the courthouse and pay what you owe, bitch. (laughs)
3: Okay. That was a good one. Uh... Oh, shit. Now I've lost my track. That was a good rant. (laughs) Get down to the courthouse, bitch. Okay. Uh, Len has a pretty interesting question here because I think El Salvador, they custody their Bitcoin with um, with one of these custodians. And What would you advise them to do moving forward? Because like, I would think like the Treasury Department of El Salvador should have their own office for Bitcoin and just be able to self-custody in some kind of multi-sig way. Absolutely. What do you think?
2: Absolutely. In an elected multi-sig way, yeah. where you, through the structures of your government, through the financial committees that manage your treasury, through your uh, 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 cabinets, you can disperse power in a hierarchical, hereditary way that allows the transition of power and control the money. And through this, you will take a country that has been prone to civil war like El Salvador, that has been in danger. I was just speaking with somebody um, at a festival I went to a couple of weeks ago that was from El Salvador. I was wearing my Bitcoin shirt. I don't only have the one that I got from El Salvador. And uh, they were talking to me about how they hadn't been since they were a child because of the conflict and things. And they were wondering, like, is it safe? It's so safe. It's so safe in El Salvador. Go to El Salvador. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. The people are some of the most friendliest I've ever met. They will talk to you about anything. It's not all Bitcoin. Very few regions, El Zante, uh, that's very, very Bitcoin. Every business you go to, I found one business that didn't take Bitcoin in all of El Zante. Um, all the government services, amenities, uh, your, your, your uh, visa, pay that in Bitcoin if you want uh your entrance to the national parks go see mount verde please it is unbelievable the santa ana volcano please go visit it it's phenomenal um i'll pay that in bitcoin um there's so many good options dotted all over the country and then you know when you just want to be a fat north american again you go to mcdonald's or pizza hut and pay in bitcoin too and then you're like haha see this is how it could be at home
3: yeah, I kind of want to go uh, sometime. There's, a, there's an adopting Bitcoin conference in El Salvador, and it's, it's very inexpensive. And it's, it's set up by um, someone who, who works for Galoi, or she, she helps run it. So it sounds like a very interesting conference, and it's very high signal for Bitcoin, mostly Lightning, because it's, it's like adopting Bitcoin in El Salvador kind of as a conference, so it's very, it's very high signal is what I hear. So I, I kind of am looking at that, wondering if I should go. I think it's in November. So that's that's not a bad um, time to go.
2: I mean, I really like El Salvador. I and mean, I'm even thinking about a or our, our little party, which, you know, is decidedly not a conference, our 100K party. You know, the server wants to throw a little party when Bitcoin hits 100K USD. And I'm thinking that we might hold it in El Salvador because, honestly, it's really cheap. Um, at least in most places, it's really cheap. It's kind of divided into cheap and not cheap. But in the cheap places, take Bitcoin. So, go to cheap El Zante area in El Salvador. Go a party. Get drunk. Enjoy the beach. Go surf, and Go home. And um, I don't know about this conference. I feel, like I said, pretty skeptical about conferences. But... I I want to find the good ones. If this is a good one, I'd be interested in finding it. I know nothing about adopting Bitcoin, so what what well, have you heard about it? What so makes there's
3: it good? there's Barack, who's going to speak at it about Arc and Lightning. So that should be pretty fun because he's kind of on his new tour for Arc, and that could be fun. Um, but other than that, I haven't seen the agenda and looked at it really hard. I just I just know what Barack was going, so
2: uh I like the sound of that. I like technical discussions. Both busy and Gorange express uh disdain at the idea of a Central American hundred K party because uh for people in Europe. And to that I say I don't know about all of Europe, but I was pricing out tickets from uh the UK, from London. And at least a couple of months ago, when I went, it was something like $800, so not not crazy. It, it is a long flight, mind you. And besides, Bitcoin will be 100 k you'll be rich, bitch! <laughs> got treat yourself! Honestly, El Salvador is a great place to do it. I'm, I don't know how uh, my Mexican friends on this channel feel about this, but like, uh, as a North American... Uh, Mexico and the Caribbean are kind of where our travel agents talk us to. Um, And so I've I've taken a lot of vacations there. But going to El Salvador, I I felt like it was a lot more of what Mexico used to be for me and, and felt like a lot more genuine, honestly. A lot less influenced by America despite everybody using US dollars than Mexico typically was in my experiences, e- even in places like San Salvador uh, and, and the big places. Um, and uh, I loved it. Maybe that's just because a lot of people didn't speak English. That's something that you got to deal with when you go to El Salvador. So be aware of that. Um, bring Google t- Translate. Hon- I had no troubles with Google Translate. Didn't speak a word of Spanish. I'm learning between Costa Rica and El Salvador. I'm, I'm learning my Spanish. Eh, muy mal. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how. Very bad. Very bad Spanish. But you can get by with Google Translate and you should go. Uh, at least for me, in North America, coming out of Ontario, uh, my tickets were about $400 each going to El Salvador. So it's what I would pay, uh, and an ideal going to basically a good place in Mexico too. So just for the Bitcoin tourism, it was worth it, but it's worth it just for so much more than that. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. From the volcanoes to the caldera lakes to the ocean and some of the best surf you've ever seen. It's a phenomenal place.
3: Go you can also get like a six-month visa, and so that's not a bad, like, that's a pretty long visa. You can uh, you can do a lot with that. You can like even bounce around countries by doing that, like six months here and six months there. You can be out of your home country permanently that way.
2: Well, I don't know if you should be out of your home country permanently. Um, I don't, like, how does that work? Because I know here in Canada, like, where would you pay your taxes if you didn't spend any of your time in Canada? Would You, you would still pay Canadian taxes? Even as, let's say, that you were earning through a Bitcoin job or living off Bitcoin, either or. And it's, like, a, a remote job. Maybe, maybe it's in Canada, maybe it's not. Like, it gets so confusing. I... I the law complicates Bitcoin so much and I guess I understand that's why people want to talk about it at Bitcoin conferences, but like fuck, I just don't don't wanna care about it. I don't give a fuck. I should be able to just pay a reasonable tax rate, working from wherever I want and enjoying good social services. Call me a commie. If that's if that's communism, shoot me where I stand.
3: Yeah, Len brings up a good point too. You, if you want to keep your uh, healthcare benefits, you have to be in Canada for six months and one day of the year. So it's uh, yeah.
2: See, that's exact. I knew there would be some catch like that. See, that's you don't. And I, I, I like my healthcare benefits. As broken as our healthcare system is right now, ever since COVID, it's just been absolutely terrible. But well, like, I, I want it. It was be terrible
3: good. before too. <laughs>
2: yeah in its in its ways um but it wasn't terrible in a way that was like likely to kill me and now i can't necessarily say that as somebody who does use our you know medical services
3: yeah that makes you makes me wonder like what are the medical services in el salvador because you should technically be able to pay in bitcoin for those
2: that's a very interesting thought so i never had any issues in el salvador um i did have some issues in costa rica wasn't able to pay in bitcoin um but el salvador it's national so yeah i should i probably would be able to and so, in el salvador i got uh, busy <laughs> busy jokes you will remain healthy in el salvador in el salvador and costa rica actually while visiting bitcoin jungle and bitcoin beach i got very sick with salmonella salmonellosis um from salmonella uh chicken don't don't eat trust the chicken it's it's a lottery sometimes it's okay sometimes it's not but it's never worth the gamble it's eight days of fire yes hootsam you're supposed to be drunk there and not eat chicken eat Uh, i was gonna say eat the beef but don't eat the beef either i've uh oh boy the beef in el salvador as i understand it comes largely from nicaragua i didn't see a whole lot of cattle ranching like i did in costa rica which had really good beef uh, honestly the beef the beef wasn't fantastic in el salvador either get the seafood the seafood was out of this world get the seafood
3: did you actually go uh, surfing or how was that yes
2: i did actually i did go surfing it was the first time i've ever gone surfing uh i paid in bitcoin uh, it cost me the equivalent of uh, $30, though I tipped significantly more because I You see the way that a lot of these poorer places are living and like as a westerner Westerner leading the kind of the vanguard or vanguard of a certain kind of tourism you want to uh, You want to encourage this you want to encourage them to take Bitcoin you want them to be on solid footing So this experiment can succeed go there tip well um, but they were only charging $30, and they they took me out to a beach not very far from El Zante, although there was a lot of surfing in El Zante. Um, oh my god, the best surfing I've ever seen. Um, and they, they they taught me how to surf with, with my partner, and it was it was phenomenal. Um, spent a couple hours, had a fantastic time. I've never been so exhausted in my life. I've never... Uh, Drank so much seawater in my life. Uh, I'm (laughs) way too fat and old to surf is what I learned About surfing, but I had a fantastic time. So
3: it's all about balance
2: Oh god, just getting up that many times. It's like It's exhausting if it's some if you're not An active person. I spend a lot of time on the computer Um, it's it's brutal I need, I need to be in better shape. It was a wake-up call. It was Mr. Yeah, get, get in better shape. You need to... Yeah, you got you gotta you to get a barbell speed.
3: and start squatting. That will really help with your uh, getting up on the board and the balance, the strength and the yeah, core. That's,
2: that's definitely where I needed it. So everybody that's interested in going to El Salvador, you heard it here first. Do some barbell squatting. Go surfing in El Salvador. It's cheap. It's a great way to spend the day. You learn amazing things and meet amazing people. So my goal when I went was I wanted to learn about the political situation because that's something that intrigues me. Uh, it intrigues me how in North America here, uh, the, the president, uh, Bukali, um, he's, he's portrayed as a dictator. He's portrayed as uh, a fascist because he has in many ways, that should be illegal by North American standards, locked up tens of thousands of game members from gangs like MS-13 and built giant new, quasi- possibly inhumane prisons with which to store them in that don't really have any kind of rehabilitation potential. They're just kind of like concrete block cells. Like There's no library, for example. There's a complaint that you might read in Amnesty International about the prisons here um so he's just basically locking up a lot of people and he's doing it uh on a legal pretense that allows him to do so with very little legal uh work beforehand like that they can do it based on look if you if you got a tattoo that reflects one of these gangs you you could very well get locked up that could happen uh just for having a tattoo um so, that's very alarming from a human rights perspective, and I, I, I can definitely hear where they're coming from. Um, now, the other side of this coin that was expressed to me by every single El Salvadorian I spoke to, except for one who was from America and was visiting, was that there has been basically war on my doorstep, extortion by multiple gangs at my businesses every fucking day for years and this guy came in and he fixed it. It's safe. You're able to come here. You couldn't come here before. You've got to come come here and and see what it was like back then if you're going to say that he's done anything wrong. And the most people seem very passionate to the point of like it's very easy to see why a North American might mistake it for a kind of dictatorship or fascism because like his face is everywhere. On every in the form of tourist trinkets in the form of like uh, on on flags on signs on every shop on walls like he is being celebrated and venerated by many in the population in a way that's honestly not dissimilar to the most partisan of politics in america for example um but it, it is quite extreme and it's very noticeable the way that much of the population adores this man, and frankly, Western polling supports that idea, and that was that was what I went to investigate because Western polling suggests that he has a much higher approval rating than any Western government, for example. Like he he's in the stratosphere, and these these aren't internal numbers coming out of some fascist regime. These are being independently conducted and verified polls by Western polling firms, so. Yeah, there's there's something magical going on in El Salvador. You have to go check out what's happening. The IMF doesn't know what's happening. They're losing their minds. They they were projecting El Salvador would, Hank, as soon as it adopted Bitcoin, as national currency, that it wouldn't even be able to repay its loans, they said. Repaid those loans early, didn't you, bitch? Yeah. Yeah. You like that, IMF? You didn't like that? Didn't like it so much that you made not using any kind of cryptocurrency? Fuck all the cryptocurrencies, just Bitcoin... Argentina getting new IMF loans hmm yeah somebody's scared a little little nervous IMF that maybe countries can get out of their financial woes without your oppressive influence
3: it's more like financial chains um, so there's also new news with um, Tether investing a billion dollars worth of just money into El Salvador to build uh, power generation from wind uh, solar farms and wind farms so that's interesting that they're kind of scrapping the whole bond issuance thing and they're just going to directly give them money to basically build out these these green power solutions and it's it, like okay interesting good for them yeah
2: good for them I've I've always said it and the data always has borne it out bitcoin is green bitcoiners are green bitcoin countries can be some of the greenest countries on the planet
3: well it's a big mi- it's it a profitable. big big middle finger to the esg imf world bank crowd it's like saying oh you want to play this way We'll, we'll fucking play we got money to burn we'll we'll fucking do it your way <laughs> like seriously we'll we'll do it even better and we'll make it work I'll tell you why
2: this is really good on top. So one of the there's two fundamental problems I'm aware of that El Salvador has. One of them is is power availability and management. Um, they they need much better power availability and management, and the other is management of their water table. So investing in in uh, electric projects is a fantastic idea for El Salvador. I'm very happy for them. I hope that's exactly what continues to happen. Um, water projects. Please use that electricity to. Pump water where it's needed to desalinate water if necessary. Whatever you got to do, use the power to make things happen. Mind Bitcoin with it when you're doing other things and make it profitable. Use Bitcoin to subsidize the costs. That's what Bitcoin enables you to do. But El Salvador could be such a positive example for the whole world on how to, in spite of the disincentives created by an international ecosystem uh, of, of oppression... In latin america you can step out from under that boot and this is how it's through bitcoin it's through self-investment and it's through honestly some aggressive action against elements standing in your way
3: yeah i'm all for it i wonder i wonder if like say bukele wants another term which apparently would be unconstitutional yeah he Um, wants to
2: change the constitution so like again you can understand why a country would want that that's been very volatile yeah one term
3: so what do you think um will that divide bitcoiners it probably like everything else that divides bitcoiners (laughs) everything it'll be used by
2: western audiences that are attempting to demonize el salvador And specifically the government of El Salvador. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely going to be used. It's already been used. It it will continue to be used uh, at every opportunity because that's what they do. They will use every opportunity and every pressure to convince El Salvador to be more compliant to Western hegemony. And until it is, it'll continue in various levels of severity. This is, you know, geopolitics. Welcome to the NBA, El Salvador really should be welcome to the nba usa you get fucking smacked around by a little bitch you look like a bitch with hmm. the propaganda quit saying shit like they're not gonna be able to pay back their loans Hand back early quit quit saying shit that like they're gonna collapse their economy their economy outperformed yours magnificently since they've adopted bitcoin it's yeah the propaganda that exists in the Northern Hemisphere about El Salvador is embarrassing. The flights there are cheap. The beers there are cheaper. Go enjoy. It's awesome.
3: What What about Coinbase? What do you think? Are they screwed? Or is it just they're going to pay a fine and they'll get away with whatever?
2: Oh, everybody's going to keep getting away with murder. That's how it works. They've got money. You don't put businesses out of businesses in America. That's not what you guys do. It doesn't matter how egregious their crimes are. Enron's still running, man. Are you kidding me? No, they'll be fine. Equifax still going? Name a company that's had huge regulatory controversy to the tune of billions of dollars that isn't still running. Enron. (laughs) In some way, shape, or form.
3: Well, definitely Enron. Like, Enron's not around anymore. Everything got bought up and life went on. Yeah, I guess they sold their assets. It's goes to on.
0: Yeah.
2: It's all just the same. It's it's the illusion of multiple things. Like, same executives went to different companies. The, the assets went to different companies. Like, capital doesn't die in America. That's ridiculous. That's not capitalism. No, for it to die, the state would have to seize it. And that's communism. You can't have that.
3: <laughs> the state America.
2: running a company? Oh, oh no. Crown Corp. Or, yeah, Crown Corporations. That's what we call them, because, you know, we've got the king now. The king of Canada. <laughs> Charles? <laughs> Charlie? Chuck? And yeah, so if Chuck ever gets pissy with me, you know, I've got, I've got Bitcoin, so it's it's cool. There's only so much that a government can push you around when they can't take your property. Bitcoin is the first property no one can take from you if you follow your diligence. And that's not an invitation to break the law. You should follow the law. You should pay your taxes. You should do... What you think is conscionably right. I personally like roads. I like having them. I'm willing to pay for them. I like healthcare. I'm willing to pay for it. I think that that's how it should work. And when a government becomes oppressive or abusive, I have this tool that says, oh, well, I mean, can't, can't touch me. You you can lock me up, but like my, my money's fine. In fact, my money's programmable. It can act without me. Okay, So... I've got that going for me, and I think that that's a fantastically empowering tool of civil disobedience when necessary, and I think uh, it's going to empower so many people over oppressive governments, which I hope to God Canada never experiences. It hasn't experienced yet, at least in my lifetime. We haven't had, like, a major crisis yet. Some people like to say the Canadian truckers thing was our thing. How do you feel about that, Fiat?
3: Uh, Bitcoin yeah, like, kind of
2: got wrapped up in that too, pretty good.
3: Yeah, it was it was kind of a wake up call for people to know that what's in their bank accounts isn't really theirs, and that was always the case. It's just the first demonstration of it in action. So it it was a good thing in terms of waking people up, but um, I don't know. Like I I don't think governments are good or evil. They're just people, and Amen. they they just they do things when people are in power who shouldn't be. Um, yeah, Stalin's a really good example. If you want to read the Gulag Archipelago by uh, Solzhenitsyn, it's a it's an eye-opener to how bad things can get with the state when you just have one psychopath in power. Um, and, and people are, are not going to save you or themselves. They're just going to go along for the ride ignorantly, and before they know it, they're in Siberia freezing their ass off. So
2: speaking of Siberia, Putin's a great example of the above currently.
3: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like people just go along with what the man in charge does because that's we're kind of herd animals in a way. Uh, So don't be a herd animal. Just escape. Get your capital, which you can do now with Bitcoin and you can cross any border naked with your Bitcoin in your head. And that's a pretty good power. That's a superpower.
2: Um, Yep. I heard a, there was a quote, I don't know if it's apocryphal, but there was a quote from a Saudi prince saying that he would escape the country with a USB full of Bitcoin up his ass if he had to. And it always makes me laugh when I think about it, because like, you just throw it in your head, man. Like, why, why are you playing with your butt?
3: You need to bring your butt into this. Duquan did that. He shoved a USB up his ass and hid crypto in his butt, <laughs> and the police found it. This this idiot was what? yeah, he was an, he was such an idiot he didn't even know he could memorize twelve words. Oh, that's so <laughs> that's that's the level that hurts. That's the level of shit we're dealing with here. We're dealing with absolutely literally the
2: level of shit. That's deep shit that's yes. in there. It's wow.
3: Total Total bullshit.
2: <laughs> I don't even know how to process this information. So like you're telling me that people who work with quote-unquote crypto and bitcoin and it's their business and it's responsible for like billions of dollars in profit for them they don't understand how their keys work and how to keep them secure because they think their butt is a safe
3: yep and like most of these people aren't even technically literate they are able to bullshit it's driving
2: a car if you're a ceo no, no, no. of a fucking big no, company they're you just know front, you don't they're front men
3: what? they're front men for the real money they're front men it doesn't for matter Novograms. what you are
2: they controlled so much freaking money that it doesn't matter like like the the level of diligence required to know you don't put the bitcoin in your butt fitch the level of diligence required to know you don't put the bitcoin in your butt is very low
3: Oh, I know. And they had
2: billions of dollars of incentive itch. if we, no, have, we have no hope.
3: They just got handed a check for millions of dollars, and they thought they won at life, and they were untouchable because they're so young and they well, don't what know what was
2: what was on the incentive is whatever crypto was in
3: their butt. <laughs>
2: I don't want to keep
4: talking. <laughs> this is <laughs>
3: hey, you're the one bringing up butts. I don't know.
4: <laughs> I, I'm the one. <laughs>
3: Okay, that's a little gaslighting for me.
2: (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, my point remains that this is unfathomably stupid. It is. To think that the secure way to cross a border, for example, with Bitcoin is up your butt. Please don't do that.
3: That's so what gold Please bugs don't do. do that. The gold bugs do that. We're not Peter Schiff here. We, we store things in our heads. <laughs> First, First of all, to.
2: like you shouldn't need to be illegally transporting anything at all. Yeah. Like your Bitcoin just exists in your head. You're not bringing it across a border. So get that idea out of your head. You're thinking in like a fiat frame of reference. Your Bitcoin isn't moving anywhere. So like s- stop. Even... even By bringing something in and moving it, like, you're completely changing the game and making it stupid and you criminally liable, potentially, for crossing a border with something you shouldn't be. Like, it doesn't doesn't move, man. You just leave it in your head the entire time.
3: Yeah, this is one thing, like, that people should probably think about, is, like, when you're traveling, do you bring your friggin' hardware wallet with you? And, nah, you probably shouldn't. Probably should not do that.
2: Shouldn't. Also, um, this is an example where stateless can be better than stateful. Yeah, seed signer. Um,
3: seed signer is a great hardware wallet.
2: You should always just make sure that you have your backups and manage state otherwise by like having it as minimal as possible. And your backups shouldn't be in plain text. They should be um what's called one time padded. So this is the kind of methodology for obfuscating the original text, and in this way, you know, if somebody finds it, they don't just have your keys; they've got to know the one-time pad password. And so, like through that, as well as a BIP thirty-nine word, your twenty-fifth word, the word that like goes at the end of your twenty-four words, you can really empower yourself and manage it so that you you just have your backups. And you can travel wherever you want with just like a little hot wallet, say on your phone, like say Phoenix, or some other, some other thing, maybe connected to your node, Uh, a blue wallet connected to your own node instance, and you travel with that. And you put a little bit of Bitcoin on it for, you know, managing your expenses or whatever. And you're safe and you're secure and you're happy. Do that. Little burner phone.
3: It also depends on like how much capital do you want access to in terms of Bitcoin when you travel and you probably don't want your whole like fucking horde. Um, this maybe... is
2: why you tier things, yeah. right? So like maybe you have, you have your cold, cold storage, right? Which is what we just described. This is where maybe you have a uh, geo dispersed, like in multiple places in the world, um, keys to a multi-sig wallet that are one time padded in steel or something right and these are your, your hard hard backups this is your really cold wallet stuff doesn't come out of this wallet except for once a decade it really only goes in um, and then maybe you've got a, a more warm wallet where you spend from and maybe this is like your cold card and you maybe keep uh, a medium amount in this that you maybe access once a year and uh, it's its backup is maybe say encrypted and in uh, an online accessible place as well as a single one-time pad somewhere. So like a little less security, uh, but a lot more convenience. So it's a trade-off constantly between security and convenience, and you just move between that trade-off based on your needs. And then, so for a really hot wallet, like when I was driving to El Salvador, I just hot wallet on my phone. So like Blue Wallet, Phoenix, these are, you know, examples of things and you can hook them up to your own node. And as you go, you know, make your Lightning payments, make your Bitcoin payments, but it's just based off of the little allowance you gave it, and that's your risk. So your risk is that it's a hot wallet. Your risk is that anybody that steals your phone and can unlock your phone can get your Bitcoin, but it's just a little bit amount. So it's really no different than carrying a wallet full of cash, right? Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, that's my thought on how I would do it if I were to like travel to El Salvador. I just have a Lightning wallet on my phone that's connected to my home server, which has my Lightning node, and then I can just um, swap liquidity for whatever I need on the day or something.
2: Yep, absolutely. Another way to do it is to run um, run like a remote desktop kind of situation on your phone where your phone's kind of just a portal to another device and that device has your keys and things so that way your device gets seized you lose the device it's secured by however you secure that portal and you have access still to the original device and the portal so you can simply take the funds and move them
3: yeah, interesting. I would have to think about like what's a dead man switch to lock down my, my home node or something. Interesting ideas.
2: Yeah. So there's there's a lot of things that you might want to be concerned about and reasons why these are legitimate concerns, not just, you know, crazy lunatic libertarian cypherpunk stuff. Like I'm for one, I'm not a libertarian. Um uh, and for two, there are real laws in places like El Salvador, or not El Salvador, I'm sorry, in, in places like Australia, which is a Five Eyes country, that mandate you give them a copy of everything that's on your digital devices and mandate that you unlock them with risk of imprisonment if you don't. So, having a device that you can unlock that doesn't have your life savings on it is really important. Because as much as we want to be law-abiding citizens, we want to choose to be law-abiding citizens. We don't want to be forced, because giving governments the ability to force us to be law-abiding citizens can turn out really badly. We need to be able to choose to follow the law and to pay our fines and to uh, respond to lawsuits. They can still lock us up. They just got to wake up to the fact that they can't take our assets and our money anymore. Not if we don't agree to do so. And I think in doing so, we're going to see the criminal justice system become a lot more fair and based around rehabilitation, for example. I think that's one of the unintended consequences of a more Bitcoin-friendly world is we're going to have to change the way that, for example, we fund police stations. Civil asset forfeiture isn't going to work in a Bitcoin world. And that's going to change a lot of things when you look at how much... Police stations, for example, in America and Canada as well are funded by civil asset forfe- forfeiture. It's terrifying. So Bitcoin empowers citizens to even uh, let's politely call them microaggressions from the state. They aren't really micro in any way, shape, or form. Taking somebody's life savings at the airport isn't a microaggression. But like on the scale of things a skate can do, they can nuke you. You know, like taking all your money. It's an aggression. Uh limits their ability to do that they can still lock you up in jail if they want but they can't take everything that you own and that's that's a game changer we can starve out hostile states i don't know if everybody's realized that yet we are going to at some point in the future fitch we're going to see bitcoin revolutions do you i i honestly believe that and when i say that i mean a revolution that is enabled and empowered by bitcoin and One of the things that's going to enable those things is the fact that, like we talked about, we can organize El Salvador and their treasury through things like multi-signature and hereditary keys and uh, commitment transactions and things that we might be getting. And there's just all these kinds of ways that we can potentially structure a government to work with Bitcoin and permission how that might work and almost like a constitution where code is law as the shit coiners used to say
3: yeah i think we can get to that point um it's just going to take a very long time because one governments are still in control to the to a large degree and two it's just the population isn't caught up to the bitcoin citizenship yet but they'll get there probably a generation it'll take
2: yeah I agree. It'll be generational, which is, which is good news. It means that we'll get we'll get to see it.
3: Yeah, it's it's really weird to be like the first generation to this thing, because like yeah, you're, you're realizing like we're so goddamn early, and it it may seem like it's small, but actually. This thing is gonna be fucking huge, and and we're gonna be looking back at it, be like, holy crap, we were so innocent and naive about how things could turn out, uh, maybe because like oh, it's I already feel that way. It's unpredictable.
2: I already feel that way. I've only seen like a decade of Bitcoin, and like my wildest hopes and dreams for where Bitcoin would be, like we shattered them a long time ago. Absolutely shattered them not in terms of price, like, I mean, fuck price. I mean, like, in terms of what we've done, we've saved lives in war zones. Yeah. Like, not you and I, I mean, the network, Mm -hmm. the protocol, the fact that it exists and people are using it to escape tyranny is saving lives. And that's phenomenal. That's worth a lot. People wonder you know like but bad guys use bitcoin yeah some some bad guys do use bitcoins bad guys use hammers bad guys use u.s dollars bad guys use all kinds of tools and platforms to do their evil um bitcoin's going to be one of them but you don't throw it away because it is going to empower everybody it is going to incentivize a revolution in power management in green energy it is the cheapest it is able to collect stranded energy because bitcoin doesn't care where you mine it you mine it in the middle of nowhere so long as that's where the cheap green energy is it doesn't care if the and electricity is intermittent it can be turned on and off it can it can buffer power grid's capacities bitcoin is a revolution in money it's a revolution in trust it's a revolution in power and electricity management it is so many things.
3: Yeah, it's it's already changed the world, and it's just gonna get more snowballs attached to it. It's already changed the world, and like it's just this little computer project, Fitch. It's just this
2: little it's software development project.
3: It's just it's just, it's just an idea exemplified in code. And Some guy just wrote it, yeah. and we just ran
2: it, and that was it. And it weird. saved lives, and it did it's all these crazy. things. And now it's it's through the network effect through the the whole, through the group we've empowered ourselves together with this consensus and we're able to verify and govern as, as a whole and it's phenomenal. This is a revolution in how we organize and how we execute as a society social functions like the issuance and management of money.
3: Yeah, it shows like if it's a good idea and it's it's big enough, then it'll probably work. Even if it's just code, because yeah, it's uh, I don't know, big idea.
2: Guardian asks when my uh, expectations got shattered. What year? Twenty um, thirteen. When it went from like twelve dollars to three hundred and like that April, and then it was like, okay, well, shit, things can't get crazier than this. And then that summer we had Silk Road, and then it was WileyBot, and then Mt. Gox, and then we hit 1100 Like, fuck.
3: To be honest, it, it was yeah. the El Salvador moment, because, like, I didn't... Like, price is, like, I kind of understand why it does it. Like, it's Bitcoin is just a price thing, and, like, it'll do what it does. But the social aspect, when you have a country adopt this as legal tender... I mean that's that's a shot across the bow and heard across the world. Of you everything. know they
2: heard it. Cause they reacted to yes, it.
3: Yes, yeah, they did, and they're still reacting to it. They will react to it even more um, as this thing picks up. And maybe we'll be back two steps. Maybe, maybe El Salvador drops this thing. You know, it's possible.
2: I honestly think that El Salvador took the first step in changing the world on a grand scale when it adopted bitcoin as its national legal tender
3: yeah talk about a step of faith but maybe they verified (laughs) like who knows
2: (laughs) i i don't like a lot of the things about the way that they've handled it i don't like the companies that they've worked with from strike to athena um i think that there's a lot of room for improvement but i think that that's also to be expected the first time anything revolutionary is done or happens
3: a lot of countries are looking at El Salvador to see what happens, and if they can do it, then then they're going to be like, oh, we're going to do it too, just the incentive.
2: It is so unbelievably impressive the way that they've picked themselves up in terms of economic situation uh, since they've adopted Bitcoin. And obviously, Bitcoin isn't the sole thing going on in El Salvador as a comedy, not even by a long shot, but... The amount of good that is happening on the whole is excellent. I want to see more of that good and economic gain uh, making it to the people that need it in El Zante and Bitcoin Beach. Uh, in, in places where there's a huge wealth disparity. Uh, there's, it's one of the worst wealth disparities I've seen. Well, not the worst. No, but it's bad. It's not good um and and it needs help and the president could be doing that and I hope that that's what he's doing with for example is electricity infrastructure projects I hope he's employing people in these communities I hope that he's powering these communities for cheap
3: yeah you've mentioned this before um like basic infrastructure is what El Salvador basically needs but I was wondering what is there anything westerners can do from afar or even when they travel to
2: El Salvador. Visit and lobby. They've got a very social media savvy, friendly, and president. He wants to use us, quite frankly, for political and social gain and clout. Um, we, we should use him back so that we can advocate for the people there that he's not listening to. If he wants to listen to us, let's tell him to listen to the people in his country that don't have as much of a political voice. lobby him. Let's uh, lobby him for protections uh, for citizens in the form of things like higher minimum wages, uh, in form of things uh, like uh, investments in local infrastructure. Uh, they don't all have running water or, or clean water or basic stuff that they need power like i said uh, is also an issue in some places so i'd like to see that addressed first and foremost roads uh, street lighting uh, really really basic things that could help a lot of people and then state services he wants to um you know Be bringing in all this money in tourism, like I think he should be taxing us, Bitcoiners, us traveling Bitcoin tourists. I think he should be taxing Bitcoin and Bitcoin services, and I think that he should be offering these visas, like he's proposed to do for Bitcoin citizens, and he should take that money and use it to protect the locals and the natural resources of El Salvador, the natural wonders of El Salvador, from the influence of what is going to be a booming tourist and Bitcoin industry. It's going to be unbelievable and it's going to change everything. And there's a little bit of harm that can happen through that. So I just want to make sure that that gets protected.
3: Hey, Raph, man, welcome
4: to the stage. How's it going, guys? Sorry, I'm late. Uh, you guys always do these things so impromptu. I never catch them. But OK, I, I hear you now. Um, salty. Salty no, not... Raph
0: just hey, man. comes in here
4: and salt the sprinkles spoon. of salt. You know, it. I mean, I'm a salty boy. Uh, OK, fine. Like, sure. We we could, you know, lobby, but how do we lobby another country? How do we reach out oh, and, and do because
2: that? He's trying to use us for our social media influence and, you know, to to elevate his image in social media spheres. So I, I say, like, for example, when you see him talking about Bitcoin and trying to, you know, get the attention of Bitcoiners and using his Bitcoin counselor and things, you should uh, respond to those things. Uh with comments about like how great it is that he's doing what he's doing and encourage him and clap and give him his due, but then also demand that like, you know, there's these risks that could be happening, uh, with your population in terms of water accessibility, in terms of the tourist industry coming in and displacing locals, um, and pushing them out of affordability of their areas, uh, especially with things like the minimum wage being what it is and average monthly earnings being what they are in some areas. Like there's a reason El Zante is the way it is. There's a reason Bitcoin beach is the way it is. And it's because they didn't have accessibility to banking. You go there and there isn't a gas station. There's not a pharmacy. There's yoga. (laughs) There's, there's a brilliant place called um, Hope House that does some of the most fantastic charity work uh, I've seen in a long time. They are a religious organization, which, uh, but they are doing some fantastic work in terms of both uh, general education, Bitcoin education. They work with Bitcoin Beach. They help enormously, basically onboarding businesses in the Bitcoin Beach region, even subsidizing their costs initially uh, through the Bitcoin Beach project. And yeah, if you had a chance, go down there, talk to those guys. I would love to. I can't recommend it enough. And it's so cheap.
4: It's so cheap. And, And maybe that's like, you know, his first step into, you know, equalizing pay, for instance, is enabling Bitcoin so people don't have to rely on the US dollar so they can actually, you know, work and. And provide services that people will pay for in Bitcoin, and, and you know they're not beholden to the U.S. government. I, you know, how many El Salvador El, El Salvadorians even been to the United States? I wager very little, very few. So I don't, a lot I, of
2: them escaped the civil war and went to the United States. So there's okay. like an enormous Salvadorian population in North America that escaped the civil that makes war. Sense. I know
4: that. But I mean, like, I guess that's like generations ago, right? So. Well, yeah, but now there's generations of El Salvadorians.
2: It's true. Like that's, for example, like I said, I don't know how common it is, but I I ran into one just the other day uh, wearing my shirt. Like it was crazy how a little time I was outside with it, wearing it. And yeah, I ran into one immediately.
4: I mean, we Central and South Americans, we get everywhere. So yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) How are you doing, man? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I'm doing fine. Just came back from dinner. It's a few beers in myself, so, you know, I'm catching up.
2: Nice. Yeah, I'm right there with you, pal. But okay, what, so... what about you two? Would you go to El Salvador if we had the 100K party there?
4: I would. I definitely would. Would it be my first destination? Probably not, but yeah, I, I mean, it's thematic. It, I think it makes a lot of sense. As long as as long as long there's fellow Bitcoiners and and booze, I'm in. And karaoke. Gotta have karaoke. It needs to be like a
3: pilgrimage where there's like a shrine to Satoshi and he just like you burn
4: some incense. Let's, and... let's not do that. <laughs> That's a bit too culty for my
2: taste. No, I'm interested. I don't even want a conference. I don't want like anything. I don't even want to meet up. I, I just want to celebrate. I just want a party. I just want to enjoy El Salvador, spend some money in El Salvador, get drunk in El Salvador. Uh, enjoy the beaches of el salvador and spend some bitcoin
4: yeah yeah and i think i think that would be the goal right it's just literally celebrate have fun meet some new people you know fuck conferences fuck having speakers none of that bullshit just shoot the shit with your fellow bitcoiner
2: exactly let's just take a moment enjoy each other enjoy bitcoin enjoy el salvador
4: Maybe a few wrenchings here and there. We'll see.
2: We'll see. And this is the thing is don't bring Bitcoin.
4: (laughs) Don't don't make it right.
2: Bring at most like as much as you would carry in a wallet, a hot wallet, and then keep things like you can have a kind of medium wallet with another very small amount that is online secured. That is, uh, has backups encrypted online that you can recover if you need more than your hot wallet initially allowed. Like, um, y- you can tier your accessibility in ways that are increasingly inconvenient and have a- appropriate money in them, and you can keep yourself incredibly safe. Safer than you can in a bank, that's for sure. That's Just for sure. Just more diligence than your bank is taking, securing your money.
4: That's the thing, though. We We, as a community, need to educate the people, the Bitcoiners, to do that properly i guess because a lot of people won't you know it's either very very cold or super hot like a lot of people don't have that middle ground wallet which i agree they they, i guess like a lot of people don't understand and i'm not talking like the audience listening to this probably does understand but the general population doesn't understand that you can have multiple wallets for multiple functions and how, how do we teach them that i don't know
2: well, that's one of the kind of fundamental problems I think we're going to have educating about descriptor wallets, for example. Mm. Um, with descriptor wallets being this departing from your your BIP-39 style mnemonic uh, back to a literal description, kind of, of the unlock script in a, in a list as part of a file or a JSON string, um, people are going to have to change the way that they think about backups. They're going to have to change back to a more traditional BIP32-esque, or even before BIP32-esque. Uh, maybe you would remember, because I know you've been here for quite a while, uh, we used to enjoy wallet.dat files. Yep. And wallet.dat files were just huge lists of unrelated, unique, public, and private keys. And you had to keep the whole file and backup the file because like each, each new address wasn't deterministic from some source from some related entropy to all of them. If you lost one of the keys, you lost the Bitcoin that were at that UTXO.
4: That's true.
2: And if you lost the file, you lost everything. Yeah. You're gone. Yeah. But You couldn't just have like in your memory, 12 words that wasn't possible. And so when we moved to descriptor wallets, uh, at least some output types of descriptor wallets. You're going to want to use some scripts that uh, e- have unique entropy, uh, don't have the same 12 word source entropy as all the other wallets, perhaps, um, or have a different derivative key in the tree from that entropy, um, or require other information than simply that entropy to unlock the script. Um, so scripts are going to get more complex the things we can do in bitcoin are always going to grow and get more complex and as a result the way that we i think back up and store our bitcoin is also needs to be rethunk because bip 39 has some problems not the least of which is that it's language dependent
0: yeah
4: yeah that does suck and honestly like bip like bip i guess maybe it was a happy medium maybe like a stopgap, but it's kind of kind of a mistake it's it's been it's produced a world of fucking problems that everybody has to deal with us included and yeah i don't know where i was going with that but it just yeah. seems it just seems like it was a bad move in in hindsight but i guess that's all you can do to evaluate it in the in with the eyes of the future
2: well i mean at the time it right. was proposed it
4: Made sense. It is.
2: Yeah. No, it didn't. It is unanimously rejected for implementation. It's unanimously discouraged for implementation on the BIP. If you read it and the comments explain why, um, discussions about implementing it in issues in core all explain the same reasons why. Um, and it's not implemented in any of those places. True. And it is universally rejected. I've ranted about this before, but like, what happened is. A bunch of GoHung wallet developers that thought this was a great user experience improvement, uh, having these words, ran with it. Because that's what would make sense in the corporate world in North America as a software developer or wallet builder, honestly. And I know you know that because you work in that industry too. Because maybe it is better UX from those determinations but like it's it's bad it, because it's inconsistent and it creates all these edge cases and unassured situations
4: and if i had a satoshi for every time i had to describe fucking derivative paths i would be i would be satoshi jesus christ man it's insane yeah it sucks i hate it
2: yeah uh, Der- derivation
4: path. paths rather
2: derivation paths um bip 39 passwords Fuck! I, I just had to brute force, quasi brute force. I had a bunch of constraints. Uh, a friend's bip thirty nine password that they made with Blue Wallet.
4: Did you ever find a library to help you with
2: that? Uh, no.
4: Oh god, <laughs> you had to do it by hand. Fuck.
2: Yeah. I well, I I didn't do it by hand. I I automated it through Blue Wallet itself. I like old school.
4: Uh, botted it. No boy. Was it successful at least?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my constraints were enough that the number of iterations I needed to do and paralyzations I could do of it were high, so or low. That was right. Nice. So yeah, I was able to recover my friend's Bitcoin.
4: Good. I'm sure you were <laughs> I like, like I bought
2: them I bought them a cold card a year and a half ago. I bought They didn't never use it. They they didn't want to learn. They mm-hmm. thought it was too hard to learn. And they didn't want to ask me even though I offered all the fucking time.
4: The teacher and they yeah,
2: nearly lost their fucking bitcoin because they didn't do their diligence in remembering their 25th word.
4: Oh boy.
2: Really, Ah. they did way more mistakes than that. So let me tell you the other mistake they made. So they made a three key wallet through Bulu wallet. Okay. Uh Okay. And they, like an intelligent person, wanted to verify it worked. Check mark. Good job. Excellent. So they deleted the wallet and re-imported it. Right?
4: Yeah. Okay. But they they didn't do it on a different device. So they one they didn't do wallet. it on a
2: different device. Two, they uh didn't record the fingerprint of the wallet. Oh, God. Uh three, they only imported one key. One of three of the yeah, three of, course. Wallet. of course. So only one of the keys ended up being in the wallet.
0: Uh and
2: then she also forgot the BIP 39 password on top of that. So, yeah. My friend my friend had problems. Um But she's on cold card now. She's provided her own entropy. She wanted to verify. She just didn't want to feel like an idiot. And uh, you don't have to feel like an idiot. Feeling like an idiot is what she felt like when she thought she lost her coins. Right. And
4: like, and like, that's the thing, right? There's, there's no such thing as a stupid question in this realm because it's so fucking complicated, right? It's so. Not
2: unless you're Kahoob. No, yeah, there's you know, no like... such thing as a
4: stupid question
0: unless you're kahoob. I was
4: I wasn't going to go there, but yes, I agree. But like, that's the thing, right? Like, cause it's so hard. It's such a new concept for pretty much all of us. Like you, you need to ask people, you need to bounce ideas off people and, you, know, you, if you need go to on alone, critically you critically think
2: and verify. Because yes, there's a danger true. in this too. Because people have been like, okay, well, I'll go to YouTube. They hear that and they're like, okay, I'll go to Twitter. And I'll yeah. like follow whoever saying, oh, Bitcoin instructions, yada, yada.
4: They end and up sending it, them all their Bitcoin or whatever. While it can be useful to
2: say, for example, like, oh, how does this hardware wallet work? How does this wallet software work? And then Google a video to watch somebody use it that can be useful using the wallet in testnet mode after that can be useful but like trying to understand how bitcoin works or how the software you're using works is something that you want to hear from other people but then you want to verify everything right. about it right and you you don't want to get your information from somebody who's monetizing the fact that you're listening to them
4: Yeah, that's a good point and I'm like I, I will admit, I I have fallen under that trap before. Like you've told me something, I'm like, okay, you know, I trust him enough. Like I'll go with it, and I didn't verify. But I I have been getting better at that. I have been yeah. And know, sometimes
2: I'm wrong, and sometimes and so, I'm wrong.
4: A lot of times I'm wrong, and people listen to me all the time. I wish I wouldn't.
2: Right. So exactly. So like everybody needs to do better, and this is a, this is a broader cultural problem. We do. We have a culture of trusting. Yeah, and we need to transition to a culture of verifying.
4: Yeah. Yep, I agree.
2: Did you want to verify with me, BB? Oh, oh boy. He's got He's been mute. I just like I miss him, and he's pooping, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs>
4: No, don't put him on the spot like that dude what if he was well
2: then we were gonna talk shit about his shit behind his back
4: i mean we did that when you pooped that last time so no, you know, I, was, I was just
3: listening to you guys because i like it when raf comes in and like he you guys had things to shout about so it's nice
4: <laughs> I, I mean I, in. I uh i'm like you know if you get me going i don't stop
2: See, we don't need to stop. Let's just drink and talk about Bitcoin. See, this uh, is and this down. is what we're going to do at the 100K party. We're going to enjoy the beach. We're going to have some wonderful seafood, not chicken. We're going to <laughs> talk Bitcoin, and we're going to have fun and hopefully meet some new friends or old friends as the case happens.
4: Indeed. Yeah, honestly, I <laughs> more and more, I'm just like, fuck the 100K, let's just do it. Let's just have a party.
2: Hundred k, I can afford to
4: fund it. A hundred k. We can That's
2: make... when the amount of Bitcoin I have set aside for this venture.
4: I'm so curious 100K. how much Bitcoin that is. But I obviously, you won't tell me.
2: Well, I mean, it's how much it would cost to buy a place and host not too many of us.
4: But but the but that cost varies wildly depending on venue. Yeah. So, so like.
2: I'm, I'm genuinely in... probably a, not a very big We're not going to, like, yeah, we're not going to, to the Ritz or anything. We're not holding a conference
4: at a, you know, big conference place. Yeah, but, I mean, a like, place. okay, so 100K in Vegas is 26K in El Salvador, right?
2: No. So, like, I was pricing out places for Vegas. And if we want to have, like, rent a bar, for example, for a couple hundred people, yeah, that we can we can do that for an entire night for uh, under $10,000. Okay, fair, including, you know, other costs.
4: You think you truly think like a couple hundred people, job? I'm thinking like 30 max. I'm
2: thinking like
3: 10 max.
4: <laughs>
2: but like, my point is, is that that is what it would cost for that.
4: More booze for us.
3: Can it be like yeah. a beachfront bar? Because like, I like nature. Oh, yeah. In El
2: Salvador, every single one is
3: Awesome. I don't like indoor bars. They're just noisy.
4: (laughs) So you wouldn't like karaoke then? No, I'm not a karaoke guy. The one
2: thing I wouldn't bring, Cuddy, is I would would not bring or use or look for any kind of drugs. Because of the civil liberties situation in El Salvador, you do not want to fuck around with any of that.
4: Honestly, that goes for, you know, across you know outside of your own country a hundred times like never ever do that kind of stuff you could get seriously boned yeah
2: very dangerous be careful not worth the
3: risks so. i love canada
2: oh I, I see and see we're not breaking the law here in canada Man. i'm i'm high as a kite right now yeah <laughs> so. I,
4: I, I did notice yeah, good. Excellent. <laughs> I, definitely noticed. I i mean like here in the states mostly it's fine too but that's a whole other subject I can deep dive into why won't my goddamn dispensary take bitcoin god damn it
2: this is something uh. that actually makes me mad is before bitcoin was legal way more places in the grey market would ta- or would take bitcoin before weed was legal here way more places yeah. would take bitcoin now that it's legal they've pushed out so many in the grey market that there's a lot fewer taking bitcoin
4: yeah, that that does suck, because I guess when you go fully legit, you need to play by their rules or else you get fucked. So I guess I can understand the why, but it is disappointing.
3: But now you can grow your own in your own backyard with your own strains. So there's that. Mm-hmm. That's nice.
4: There is that. That is nice. Yeah, but I I can't keep... Any plants alive? I doubt it could keep a
3: weed plant alive. <laughs> Oh, weeds! Weeds like find a way. They they survive. <laughs> I guess it's called weed for yeah. a reason, right? <laughs> They're a weed. Fuck! I'm gonna do that right now. Is there
2: a place I can buy marijuana seeds with Bitcoin?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there must be right. Like, it seems yeah. like a match made in heaven.
2: Yeah, if, if you know of a place to legally buy marijuana seeds with Bitcoin, somebody anywhere, comment somewhere. Shoot,
0: shoot me a link. I'm very interested. Got a little little greenhouse kind of
2: dealio I'm trying to get going here. Yeah, a little bit of marijuana would be
4: wonderful. Farmer gnome. Bitcoin buds. There, there's a name for a podcast. <laughs> beers, yeah, buds, and Bitcoin.
2: Bitcoin and beers seems like it's more international friendly.
4: Fair, that's fair.
2: Also, there's... Plenty of beer going on as well, as I'm sure you don't need anybody to tell you.
4: Oh, yeah. No. I am drinking a nice Guinness myself.
2: And that's why I like this is is it's so casual. Like, we don't come in here with a plan. We don't review anything beforehand. We don't research. We don't. We're just, you know, a community discussion, a bunch of people sitting around having a drink some are listening some are talking
3: it's i like it a lot
4: i would it's like it to be a little match. bit more you know lead time <laughs> well that too like but i do think maybe if it were more scheduled maybe we'd get more participation what do you think Look, a good day we... for that
3: is like a good day to good time because I'm, I'm always like my schedule is pretty wide open so I'm, I'm wondering what everyone thinks is a good time and good day for a scheduled pre, like, I don't know, four, three days in advance.
4: It's very hard, right? Because, you know, we have people all over the world here. They're yeah. all in different time zones. So what do you do with that, you know?
2: can't believe what I'm hearing. Are you anarcho-libertarian anarcho-socialists or not? Where's your anarcho? Hmm. <laughs>
4: Are you talking to me or Fiat? You,
2: you're going to tell, you, tell me? You're going to tell us? You're going to tell the people when we're having a podcast? No. the podcast happens when it happens.
4: Oh my god. Christ. You are high. Uh, it's, I
2: like it because it's an impromptu thing. And, and it just... Again, it's a raw discussion. It's spontaneous. It's... There is no planning. There are no, like planned guests people that say they want to come on are like hey can, can we talk on the next one and are like yeah sure we'll let you know as soon as we know that we're having one like is, if you want to have one like just like call for one and, and we'll see if we have one because that's how it works we're just a community of people nobody here has a financial interest in anything nobody here has any motivation for anything we're just shooting the shit having some drinks talking about bitcoin and it's beautiful if, I wish if I'm honest modest.
4: I'm just jealous because I had to work a nine to five. So, you know.
2: Just because you're working a nine to five doesn't mean you can't be drunk doing it.
4: <laughs> I mean Honestly, yes, when I was a rank and file developer, probably true. But now that when you know people calling me cold, I probably shouldn't be drunk.
2: I have never seen so much drinking in my life as at corporate software development offices during lunch never, and like, we're talking like three-hour lunch breaks. You come back, and people are stumbling, and it's it's crazy.
4: Because people hate their jobs. People don't like being slaves to the goddamn system, I know, I know.
2: Because being a code monkey that's tasked with either drilling through something that's nonsensically architect and slash or sitting through meetings all day and slash or reviewing someone else's nonsense (laughs) that's been nonsensically architect all day, it's it's mind-numbing work. So your mind might as well be numb.
4: <laughs> might as well, yeah. Well, I have like two brain cells left, so I should probably keep them alive.
2: Yeah, I'm not following that plan. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm on an extinction event path for the brain cells. <laughs>
1: Shit. Um... Oh
2: boy. Doran says, Creati- "Creative creative pursuits should be done in creative matters, not non-creative matters." And yeah, software is a creative pursuit. And yeah, I don't know. I think there's a whole culture around things like microdosing and stuff. At least there was in California and whatnot. I don't, I didn't ever run into that so much, but the lunch beers. Oh, I ran into the lunch beers.
4: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Whenever anybody took me out for lunch and was paying for it, you better believe I was drinking like two, three beers at least. At least. I was trying to be, you know, somewhat politically correct <laughs> you know it's like six yeah this
2: is right. not politically correct. i'm gonna just go out and say it like a third to 50 percent of the software developers i've seen at corporate software developer jobs some of the best software developers i've seen at software at corporate software development jobs are basically functioning alcoholics while they're at work they're fine when they're not having to work if you don't make them work there's basically no alcohol consumption But if they have to be
0: working,
2: yeah. (laughs) Christ, I I can't, I can't explain it, but that is my observation.
4: God, I wish a bar around me would accept Bitcoin. I would love that.
3: But then you'd have no more Bitcoin.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That was the best part about
2: being in El Salvador. Honestly, is like the alcohol was so cheap, and. The views were so beautiful and they took Bitcoin. So I I just like sit there and people watch. Uh, There was a morning where I I must have spent just three hours watching the kids from Hope House uh, doing uh, surf lessons Hmm. out front. And it's just, you know, uh, it's the it's the leaders. I ended up having a talk with the leaders of Hope House or at least one of them. And just getting an idea of what they were doing in the community, how Bitcoin fit in, what they were educating people with. And I was I was really impressed. I ended up making a small donation in Bitcoin.
4: Nice. Um,
2: and just, like, the day after I did that, completely coincidentally, I saw them doing a completely charity community class where they were teaching all the community kids um, how to surf and providing them surfboards and uh, instructors and all of this stuff it was fantastic honestly and all of it's made possible in part by bitcoin i, I liked that i just sat there drinking um well frankly daiquiris
4: <laughs> drinking
2: <laughs> mango daiquiris ain't no
4: shame in that those watching, things are uh, goddamn delicious
2: watching uh these guys and just kind of verifying in a very real way, that they're doing the charitable stuff that, you know, he was just telling me that they were doing unintentionally. They just kind of showed up in front of the bar that I was drinking at and started doing their lesson. It was fantastic.
4: So while you were there, what wallet were people using the most? Was it Chivo? Was it something else? Definitely Chivo. A little bit of strike,
2: but mostly Chivo. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And like, that's like no blue, no, like, Breeze. Didn't, see
2: breeze. Like... didn't see any breeze i only hmm. saw a chivo at all one strike
4: which i guess i mean like chivo's ass but i guess it's a gateway drug hopefully hopefully they move on to better wallets
2: yeah i'd, I'd like that honestly uh there was a little bit of confusion on one occasion one person confused bitcoin and lightning and mm-hmm. didn't understand why bitcoin was not instant um there's some education barriers there.
4: Some of it them will are... be for a while. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. No, please do.
2: Otherwise, I just go endlessly.
4: <laughs> I mean, me too. I'll cut you off and go endlessly myself. So, not a great solution. But well, like, that I... is
2: a great solution. That's exactly perfect. It creates a priority order through yeah. interjection.
4: So, whoever's loudest.
2: So no, was... not whoever's loudest. It's it's because as soon as somebody starts talking over you, it means they've interjected. So so you you stop speaking, and then once you've evaluated what they're saying and, and you have something to add to that, you interject to them. I'm used to a very um high frequency, high intensity communication style. Mm. Uh where yeah, definitely volume plays a part in it and you, you prioritize <laughs> things uh, on volume,
4: absolutely. But I guess I guess like you know. Any any burgeoning technology, any anything like that, it's gonna take some time for people to catch on and know the rights from wrongs. And like this is this probably mirrors a lot of other Bitcoiners' experiences. But like I started with Coinbase, my first hardware wallet was a fucking ledger. My second hardware wallet was a fucking ledger, you know. And like took me a while to learn the actual ropes and be like, oh wait, yeah, you know these things are bad, and this is why they're bad, and here's the more proper way to do them. So hopefully as this community, this technology matures, people will get better at it and we pass our knowledge down. Well, I'm not going to have kids, but, you know, generational, like you said earlier.
2: I mean, we don't need to just be passing it down to our children. I mean, yeah, that's nice. In general. I don't think you should be indoctrinating anybody. No, that's true. It's everybody's free an innate human choice whos what money they use and how they store their property and wealth, yeah, and Bitcoin makes that innate because as so long as you have the power of communication and mathematics, you can use Bitcoin. If you can flip a coin two hundred and fifty six times and write some shit on a paper and smuggle it out of a cell to a dude, you can use Bitcoin.
0: like True. that's how fucking powerful Bitcoin is. I love Bitcoin.
4: Fuck.
3: There's another Bitcoin wallet in El Salvador. Uh, it, used, it used to be called Bitcoin Beach and now it's called Blink. And I, I was trying to test it out, but it wants your phone number to use it. And I'm like, nope, deleted. <laughs>
4: I'm not doing yeah, that.
3: That's yeah.
2: They have a very weird model at Bitcoin Beach. I didn't realize they had changed to Blink. Um,. Like I said, uh, it's it's kind of a community custody model, like a community multi sig where the merchants and the wallet developers and the invested parties all have a vested interest, and it's like a charity. Like I said, so for example, um, a lot of the original merchants, it makes sense that they don't understand the difference between Bitcoin and Lightning because they just got on because they didn't have bank accounts and they couldn't take payments, and like this charity was like, hey. Why don't you take payments through Bitcoin, and at the end of the day, if you decide to keep the Bitcoin, you can keep the Bitcoin, or if you decide you want whatever the dollar value is of whatever services you charge, like you can have that, and we'll give you that, and we'll take the Bitcoin. And it doesn't matter if you lost money, we'll subsidize you that loss, and it doesn't matter if the Bitcoin's worth more, you can keep the Bitcoin if it's worth more than the money you can sell yourself, or you can sell it to us, and we'll t- we'll take it at the market rate. Whatever you want to do. And so through doing this, they, like, subsidized, as I understand it, many of the initial merchants. And so it's not really a wallet solution in the way that we think of a wallet solution. It's more of, like, a, a community co-op wallet.
3: Yeah, I think their infrastructure is is run by Gal- Galois, but
4: I don't know for sure. Like... How many, how many keys are in this multi-sig? Like, eh, I don't know, that's... Who, who bankrolled it?
2: Um Yeah, there's a, there is an American investor. Um, There is donations, for example, like mine to Hope House. There's donations to Bitcoin Beach, which is the organization that developed the wallet originally.
4: Somebody needed to see this, right? Like, software doesn't usually get made for free. Well I mean no one subsidizes stuff for free. Yeah. I do a <laughs> Well,
2: fair, fine.
4: I guess I, also I guess write that's software
2: fair. for free. Don't you write software for free?
4: I mean I've I actually I've never contributed to a Foss project, so no, I guess I don't.
2: Oh. Well done.
4: Live cool. Do I regret that? Yeah, probably. <laughs> hey. well, if
2: you regret it, you'd write some.
4: It's yeah, but I'm not Feedback a coder code anymore. So minds. I haven't done I, I'm, that. <laughs> I'm not a code monkey anymore. So, and plus, I don't think I don't think any FOSS project will like, I want my code. Trust me, I'm not a great coder. Neither is most code. Most FOSS products.
0: That's fair. Bitcoin
4: is
2: at least core is an interesting example of a quite robust software development project
4: that's also fair but like i guess they get
2: you know sponsored
4: and shit not all of them but all, mm, the big ones do and like ranks yeah, and blockstream and shit. yeah like does that does that create a conflict of interest probably
2: yeah i definitely don't like the way that companies like blockstream for example have monetized but i mean oh whatever I don't. I think that they're they're scammy as hell doing their federated shitcoin business blockchain
0: as a service thing.
4: Yeah, but I mean, I guess is that a necessary evil to keep development going?
0: No, maybe. Wasn't a necessary evil to get here.
4: Yeah, and I guess I guess if push ever came to shove, like, would I? Actually, start contributing probably. Would, would yeah?
2: Would we have died if Blockstream
4: didn't survive the Blockstream Wars? I don't yeah. think. I don't think we would have died, but I, I, I do. I do think other sponsors would have come up. I I don't think. I well, I don't think sponsorship is necessary. Don't get me wrong, but sponsorship is kind of inevitable, in my opinion. People will take that money
2: i think bitcoin could have stayed at exactly where it was like five years ago and never changed and it would be perfectly fine
4: like version point two or whatever 20. Sure. pick one
2: like at the end of the day i feel like the improvements that we've made while significant aren't so significant that they overshadow the revolution that is like we have bitcoin and it changes the game entirely and we have what we have, we can build on, and we can reduce trust, trust in very significant ways, even if those ways aren't as optimized as we'd like them to be. And we're always finding new ways to innovate with the ways that we have. And yeah, we don't need anything more. Do so we want any- anything more? Yes, we do, because it's always good to improve, especially if it's of you course. Know, a good idea. So we evaluate every improvement on its merit. But do we have to? Would it be okay if we never did again? Yeah yeah I think we would
4: at what point like what version what what feature in bitcoin is that ossification point that you're okay with
2: uh probably uh major bugs actually like um the inflation bug blue yep. Mat's inflation bug, for example
4: yep so that's okay that's that there's another question right let's say we've ossified let's say Segwit, right like we cut it off at Segwit in twenty seventeen and then we found new bugs. Someone's got to fucking fix it. How do we do that? Like, if if no one's literally well, no one's touched the car, we're less
2: likely to see them before they happen. But when they happen, we'll see them. And when right. we see them happen, like even idiots like you and me will be able to backtrack <laughs> what happened and be like, "Oh shit."
4: Maybe. This is but how like I. I... I guess that's kind of my argument for being against ossification because you're right, right? Like, we wouldn't see that problem until it's a problem and here it is on our doorstep. Like, if we if we keep improving, we're like, oh, wait, like, look at this bug. The fucking, like, time bug that's going to happen when we're all dead or yep. whatever the fuck that one is. You know, like, like we wouldn't see that shit until it happens. And but then all we'll those talk.
2: improvements are within the realm of possibility of true. the node runners themselves. That's true. Like, we can manage this. And quite frankly, there is incentive, both in terms of reputation and skill and job prospects in working on Bitcoin-related software. It is some of the leading software securing the largest amount of money of its type with the highest amount of diligence in the world in reference to, for example, Bitcoin Core. It is incredibly valuable to know it and have experience with it when you're working for example at a bitcoin company or have prospectus of going into a career in bitcoin.
4: Yeah. You
3: can be like Mike Hearn and work for the banks.
2: <laughs> yeah even if you want to be like Mike Hearn like Mike Hearn saw the incentive.
3: Yeah, this brings up an interesting question I had earlier this week uh, because of some people's framing about how we should do upgrades. And the question was that I posed was, should we do base upgrades on what users want or what Bitcoin needs? And I did a poll on this and I think it was 10% of people said we should base it on what people want.
4: The, the problem with that though is who decides what Bitcoin needs. I hate that question. I hate, I hate that.
3: that. question. Too.
4: That is such a like, f-
3: fucking preloaded. Who decides? No, fuck off. <laughs> I'll
4: tell you who decides. Fair? You decide. Not Each you, but like of generally the idea. But I mean, I guess I guess that's where I was I was going with that, right? Like so what people want and what Bitcoin needs are kind of one and the same. You decide.
2: Exactly, cuz you You choose. decide.
4: You. You fucking decide right it's it's like beautiful. if i want this i want this yes. and i'm gonna run this yes hopefully you you all yes. consensus with me that is it that's, that's why it it's that's so all it is
2: good. go run an old version of core they're there they're updated for bugs we just had a big update for bugs go run an old version of core you can do that You don't need all these new features and updates. You don't need to adopt SegWit. You don't need to use SegWit addresses. You don't need to use Taproot addresses. If the fact that Taproot exposes a public key concerns you, don't Don't use use them.
4: Don't use
2: it. You can protect yourself by choosing what code you run in your Bitcoin scripts, by choosing what code you run in your node. That's that's one
3: thing. But you can also go further. You can be active in these in these uh, repos and be voicing yourself and your positions like any other person. Luke Jr., Greg Maxwell, Peter Todd. They're all advocating for their positions or have um, and still are in many ways. So you can do the same.
4: And I do want to call out what Gorringe said in chat, like, you know, the more code you have, the more possibility for bugs. So that makes sense. But goddamn, like, if I'm looking at a BIP and I look at the comments, I feel like I am totally stupid. I have no idea what they're talking about. I can't, I can't, you know, add to this conversation without a lot of time and research, which I don't have the time to do, unfortunately.
2: That's fine. A lot of the times we're following these discussions to keep up, to learn. It's yeah, not about adding right. to them. And when we do have things to add to them, it's because we've kept up to them. It's because we've got to the point where we have thoughts that we feel are either constructive or need clarification or... Or something, and so you, you ask.
3: The day and may come sooner than you think, so start now. Like, that's the idea. Like, you're right. Like, you point. never know who's going to disappear. It's going to be 20 years later, and you're going to be the only one around. Like, that's, that could be the reality. With,
2: uh, <laughs> the legal threats against developers, especially with the legal threats against developers. We and need God to be deals.
4: ready. Yeah, you, you're not wrong. You're right. Like, I'm just making excuses for being lazy, if I'm honest. Oh, we know. (laughs) You bastard. (laughs) Ah, fuck. Yeah. I guess I I should really just start reading, like, you know, Optech more. That's a great place to to start. Listen to the podcast. The
3: podcast is even better on Optech because, like, you actually get back and forth between the developers
4: and you get some nuance in it.
2: Yeah, I can recommend the OpTech podcast, too. That's a good good one.
4: Yeah, that's fair. But honestly, again, I don't really have time to listen. I only listen to you guys, really, in the Bitcoin realm.
2: Well, I mean, don't listen to anybody, but at the end of the day, I know how much time you spend here. You could definitely be having fucking something in your ears while you do it.
4: Hey, I mean, like, I do, because it's mainly, you know, meetings at work, my 9 to 5. So, like, I'm listening to whatever the fuck someone's complaining about you know this piece of software has a bug in it and i'm also just giving advice on the side because i don't really care because it doesn't really matter but i nice. do need to be there yeah that makes sense <laughs> honestly yeah uh, a lot of a lot of the times i'm chatting in chat is because i'm bored at some fucking meeting at work <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah it's how it was for me for a long time i would just chat from work
4: would love to not have to do that but you know mortgages slave this system you got to pay the bills mhm orange makes
2: a fantastic point of you don't need to be a developer to contribute to the bitcoin core repo or bitcoin at all uh, for example there's translation work translation work needs to huge. be done um, we just described how you can contribute just to the thought space by by trying to Rock these issues and understand, and then like give your own thoughts, contribute to the discussion in meaningful ways. Um, You can also attend the um, Bitcoin PR review club and learn how to review code and things without ever writing a line of it. There's a lot of work that can be done without ever being a developer.
4: Yeah, and I have been toying with that of like translation, translating docs into like Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese specifically. And you know, again, I'm just lazy and I haven't done it, but I really should. Honestly, I think that's somewhere that is is low hanging fruit, more or less.
2: Yep, that's a good one. Another low hanging fruit is uh, the PR review club. Um, that is a way to contribute. It's the it's the beginning, first step of participating in a review process and understanding how review works. Go so join the Wednesday PR review club. It's great. I,
4: I will be totally honest and say that I've never attended one. What's the format? Do they like hop on a call? Is it just like an IRC? IRC, IRC. Yeah, just IRC. IRC.
2: And if you don't want to attend one, they have logs and you can just read the logs and participate that way if that's more comfortable or convenient for you.
0: Mm.
4: I should do that. That's probably the best way to start.
0: Yeah, it's it's a fantastic way to
2: start. It's how a lot of core developers that are new have started.
4: Fuck. Okay. okay, Wednesday. All right, next week I'll, I'll do it. It's usually at nice. one 1:00 p.m. Eastern. One p.m. Okay. What's? Oh God damn it, dude! Ah, so, many uh, so many meetings. So many meetings. Uh,
3: you going read the log?
0: You don't and have to pick the log.
2: Yeah. yeah, the log is a fantastic place to start.
3: I'll move <laughs> <with> the
4: meeting. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's
3: real it's like a little mini lecture kind of um but more of a tutorial too. So it's kind of both. It can be both sometimes.
2: Yeah, why don't you read a log of one before you uh That's start probably, moving meetings and
4: I mean I can move meetings, I'm gonna move meetings. I don't want the meeting anyway. Would, meetings are fucking pointless, dude. I would recommend I like Project look it through the so look through the
3: previous PRs and just look for a log on an issue that you know about and you're interested in because there's a lot of different PR review clubs on different issues and some of them are just I have no idea what this is, um, so just skip those and and find something. Start with something that you're interested in.
4: Yeah, that's a good like, idea. That's a that's actually a fantastic idea because excuse me, like descriptor wallets, like we were talking about earlier. Like that is something I'm hugely interested in and I know very little about. So the PR club will probably enlighten me on that.
3: Yeah, there's probably a log on there somewhere.
4: Right. For... A great idea.
3: In fact, we yeah, should probably awesome use, that as, PR. we should use that as a resource, honestly. Cause like we've been pointing to the GitHub for like the repo for Bitcoin core but we haven't been using the Bitcoin Reviews logs, at least not me, um, for like pointing to things. So I should I should break that down just to get that idea in my head.
4: So yeah, right.
2: like, I, let's see. On the 9th of March, a year ago, they migrated legacy wallets to descriptor wallets. That would be an interesting one to read.
4: He's already a year ago. Fuck. But yeah, already no. That... A ago,
0: here's a link to it. Yeah, I
4: was going to ask for a link. Thank you. Yeah, and like I've been trying to, you know, dig through more Optech stuff and, and reference more Optech stuff instead of, like Fiat said, just the repositories and stuff. Because like, and this is total tangent here. But this is another problem. There's so much bit information out there. Like, you, like any asshole, which is obviously by design, but any asshole can write any article about Bitcoin and like how to do something. And half the time it's wrong. Half the time it's outdated. You know, like, yeah, it's so, the other half so of time hard propaganda. to get good information. It, yeah. That's 150% of the time. Fucking Bitcoin magazine. Oh, God. Hmm?
2: These are, these are fantastic. So like just reading the one that I linked, it's only 164 lines. Um, it includes links to good resources, including the PRs to change legacy wallets to descriptor wallets. It includes links to resources like videos describing descriptor wallets and how they work and what they do. Uh, I think that this is something more people should be using. I should be directing more people to these kinds of things. Uh, and it directs you to the code specifically where this is happening yeah
3: right it's like yeah it's all here
2: <laughs> and it's so concise it's only
4: 164 lines that's that's so easy to read so again in, in these uh pr meetings pr review clubs do they uh do they like tell you what prs they're reviewing beforehand yep. or is it yeah. just like here's the code okay like, yeah so week uh, before... let's see,
3: what are they doing next week before they let you know what it is there's also a twitter account for it but you're not on twitter i'm not on twitter yeah, yeah.
2: uh let's see the next meeting looks like is uh the 28th
3: there has to be like and... an rss feed you can subscribe to or something
2: oh the it 28th
4: is... okay so it's on yeah. every week
2: on the 28th uh they're tracking mempool conflicts with wallet transactions
4: oh that's fun oh yeah look at that okay so it's every couple weeks. Damn, I, just miss... I imagine
2: it's whenever they've got a host. That makes it sense. Might, that's the primary issue. That
4: makes sense. If you ever need help like editing or anything, I can kind of do that, so let me know. All right, cool.
3: Thanks for offering. I,
4: sh- I should start recording this myself so I have the my own... Uh, but, you know, if you guys did it on a schedule so I could record the entire thing, <laughs> then maybe yeah, it would be useful
2: see that's the other nice thing is like anybody can be doing this like we don't need me we don't need fiat we don't we don't need you like any, anybody can be choosing to do this that's an approved user on the server and run one that's of these true. and can invite whoever they want can record it anybody can publish it on the bitcoin channel like this isn't a fiat and gnome thing this is a whoever wants to do it thing
4: I was going to say, that kind of brings up a, a weird thing, because, like, you know, maybe not all the approved users should do it. Like, do we really want Motorboat doing it? I don't know. Why not? He has a perspective. I, I mean, have you seen have you seen Motorboat stakes on things? Like, yeah. that's a thing, right? Like, we've had but, Motorboat uh, on here. He was, we were talking about lightning him. last time. He was, like, was
3: beatboxing.
2: Yeah, he <laughs> <He's>, was phenomenal.
4: <laughs> oh, my God. my <laughs> I don't know why
2: you're sh- like yes. Motorboat needs a little bit of an education on a number of things. So a lot of people do, but he's not a bad actor. He's not gonna come in here and spam. He's gonna, he's gonna come in here and learn with
4: us. Dip three hundred, like he, Maybe usually he does. will, and As then we can refute him. To do we can refute him? Yeah, if we're here, that's the thing, right? Like, yeah. what, like that's a that's the thing. If he hosts uh and like this is me, this is anybody, honestly. Assume goodwill. That, Assume goodwill
3: until until bad faith is broken. Until good faith is broken, then ben until somebody it. sees a, yeah. a shitty video on yeah. the Bitcoin. Yeah, you've YouTube. done
2: a lot to earn, you know. My goodwill here, Raf. I, I'm surprised you'd want to see that curtailed so significantly. But,
4: but I, but, well, okay. So I guess I don't trust myself to run it well. To to speak intelligently, well, do you think
2: that we run it well? We we run it.
4: I don't impaired <laughs> most
2: of the time. It's called Bitcoin and beers, drinks with Bitcoin Discord. So I mean,
4: yeah, that's fair.
2: We, yeah. and we the production value here is basically like: Did you hit record? And did you hit not record? And <laughs> did you listen to it? Okay, good. <laughs> that's it
3: basically it. I guess uh, yeah, that's basically it. Um we just we do whatever, you can do whatever, it's fine. Um and like maybe I'll review it before uploading it for you or if you want your own account, you you have to request one. But I'm really dis- disappointed and surprised at how few people want to take advantage of this, but I at the same time I kind of get it cuz people want their own YouTube channels, so.
2: Yeah, they want they want to monetize their own content. How many people just wanna have conversations or contribute?
4: You know, like I would be interested in putting videos on the Bitcoin YouTube channel, but again, like I don't trust myself to put good information out there. I don't trust myself to to do that. You know, like if but I But
2: you trust yourself to sit here and help people? You know, if you even just
4: because publish,
2: uh you helping people and like put it into segments of like solved this user's problem of this description and other people could google for keywords in that description and then see you solving that user's problem you would help people yeah, yeah like but... if you wanted to make a video format of your ledger post for example that you made on oh, reddit you're really passionate about that that would have been perfect for the bitcoin channel on yep. youtube
4: yeah just me drunkenly ranting for like yes. an hour
2: that's what I do here every freaking time. I assume that's the only reason we're here. <laughs> Drunken ranting is the whole thing.
4: Well, like, I, okay. So like the reason why I help somebody, or at least I'm comfortable giving information in the chat is because there's a whole ass community fact-checking me, right? Yeah. Like. There's if a I say something community
2: wrong, community fact-checking you right here. Still, this is the yeah. community, and also on Twitter, you get called out if you don't dumb shit.
3: And like, I'll call you out on the on the YouTube channel. I'll, I'll, I'll even... call out. You call
4: me out all the time. It's true. Yeah. We'll
2: call you out in this discussion. Yeah. We call That's... each other out, Fiat and I. You do too. Come on.
4: That's true, Corinne. If you do. Say something dumb in a video, you will get called out all day in the comments. Even if you don't say anything dumb, you'll yeah. get called out.
3: And I'll comments. even, like, delete it if it's really bad. Like, are you shilling for shitcoin in this? I'll delete it. Absolutely. How many, out of curiosity,
4: how many people do that?
3: Uh, there's, like, maybe two instances where um, someone uploaded something <laughs> and they were talking about a shitcoin. And I'm like, I am going to delete this part of the video. Because, like, I can edit the video after the fact in YouTube Editor and actually cut out five minutes of a video in a 20-minute video. So I, I can do that. I've done that before for a shitcoin. And I've, I've also made another video private that was just totally not about
4: Bitcoin. It was about some shitcoin protocol. Damn, yeah, Fiatch. Thank you so much for the work you do. That that ooh. Yeah, To I be agree. a volunteer for that, yeah. that's insane, dude. Thank you.
2: To use your own channel for that i mean like you built it up and now you're building it up more in a new and kind of its own revolutionary way well, I, I love guess.
4: the idea i love the idea a lot like i don't think i've ever seen that kind of thing happen it's very cool so if
2: you're listening out there and you want to get your voice out to the bitcoin community or you want to educate within the bitcoin community or you want to contribute in your own way you don't got to be a developer Make a nice little video. One minute, 30 seconds, two hours like this one. Put it on the YouTube Bitcoin channel. It's it's a platform for you.
4: you and then cool. come
2: into the chat here in the Discord and tell us about it so we can watch it. Because I, I'm very interested in what the actual node-running Bitcoin public have to say.
3: Well, first we have to get them node-running. <laughs> It's like, what? Yeah. Right, there's only seventeen thousand or fifty thousand node runners.
2: Fifty, yeah.
3: You motherfuckers need to keep up.
2: How many that of those sounds. are like umbrals?
3: God,
4: oh god, dude! Damn it. Well, actually, Too many.
2: I, I assume the umbrals are in that total in the fifty thousand total Probably, is not yeah. listening core to nodes. Terrible, or perhaps hidden listening service told Nord core nodes. I don't know anyways i think that uh we have probably drunk enough (laughs) and rambled enough and uh probably time to call out what do you think fitch
3: yeah it's been a good one uh let us know how we did this time and yeah um come join us in the discord link in the description that was fun thanks guys yeah thank you appreciate you guys having me